Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Full Seam Ahead. We are back. I know you guys missed us. Uh, we've been busy. We've been a lot going on. I was on the road. Uh, Lorenzo, you've been busy with work. Uh, so we're, we're here with you today with a little bit of a double episode. We're going to recap uh, these last two series versus the Mariners versus the A's on this road trip and then preview the last leg of this road trip to Kansas City. We wrap up as always with our Astros roundup and a little look around the league. And we have had some drama around the league uh, over this last week, haven't we? Yeah, it's going to be a one week edition for this and we <laughs> do not want to miss it. Yeah, for sure. So we'll start off with the the Seattle series, and that was this weekend series headed out to Seattle, which has proven to not be a very fruitful place for the Astros this season. Uh, we won't get into great detail here. It was a disaster of a series. Yeah, it was one of them series that you just can't do nothing about. Obviously, we know that our hitting has been struggling at home a little. You thought we thought on the road last episode. Offense was going to find it again, find its groove because we've always been a great offensive team on the road. But, you know, we hit a bump on the road and we even talked about Seattle being that thorn on our sides. Yeah, You're just not going to just go out there and just win every game. Uh, Seattle is going to go out there thinking this is the World Series and this is the time of their playoffs. So, um, I mean, it was a rough stretch for this offense to go through at that point. And it was a rough stretch for the pitching, too. I mean. Friday night, JV gets blown up four home runs for, I think, the fourth time in his career that he's given up four home runs in one start. Uh, yeah, it six, hasn't happened since Detroit. Yeah, um, six six runs, and then Saturday, Arkady did not have his stuff. And Arkady did not have – A, he didn't have his stuff, but he also didn't rely – he didn't have the run support that we, we've talked mm-hmm. about before that, that Arkady kind of gets the lion's share uh, of run support. He did not get that on Saturday with the Astros getting shut out for – what the third time in the last 10 games yeah something like that um yeah not a great series yeah but i mean on the plus side we got to see a good solid start from luis garcia sending six innings pitch four hits one earned run one walk six strikeouts um bullpen pieces as in rafael montero and hector neris have been just dominating like they've always been this whole season and then presley coming up it almost got out of hand I was I was like, oh no, this is not gonna happen. It was getting a little shaky, but sure enough, got the ground ball. Uh Doe played in the game. I would I believe it was that time. So uh Presley just got the save and didn't get the serious win, but we're able to not get shut out, not shut out, um, swept by the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. And you know, that Presley, we'll talk about it here in a minute because it almost had the same thing yesterday in Oakland. Uh that's kind of become a hallmark that I'm not very fond of with Presley, letting those first two runners, um, those first two batters kind of work him a little bit, whether it's a walk or a little leadoff single. And not a great sign. That's something we want to see from our closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but been getting the job done. Not prettily, but getting it done. Yeah. But let's take it over there to Oakland, the Bay City, the Bay Area. Uh, game one. I first Remember off, Valdez. First off, I, I it blew my mind when they said it on the radio broadcast for Monday's game. I don't know why it hadn't clicked to clicked in my head that we had not played Oakland yet this season. Oh, dude, yeah, we just I, been playing. It's absurd. Seattle. Yeah, we played Seattle. I think more than anything, and Texas, and, well, and we've, a we've little bit of LA. LA. Yeah, yeah we, we played. I mean, we played what? 
I guess maybe two played, series is against the Angels. Yeah. And play, we, I mean, we've played the Blue Jays twice in that stretch. We've played – have we played um, the Tigers twice? Oh, you know, we played them once. Um, no, the, we only just, played them once. Oh, it's just It was just crazy to me that it's almost June is our first time. Especially, it feels like the last few seasons, we've always had Oakland in, like, the first week. And to not get them until the end of May was just out there. Shoot, I'm cool with that, though. I mean, we got a yeah. good win. And I think the last – at the end of, the, of September, our last division game is against Oakland with four games at home. So it's yeah. going to be we'll play, great we'll, for us. We'll play 18 of our last 60 games are against the A's. Oh, yeah, that's going to be or great. Some, time something for us. crazy. 18 or 18 of the last 30, maybe. Some, some, something stupid. Um, we, we, we play them super heavy, which usually it feels like we do that with the Angels. Last year, I know it felt like we played the Angels 20 times in the, month every of, time. in the month yep. of September. Um, but anyway, Monday night, first time seeing the A's this year. A very different A's team uh, in the offseason, trading a lot of their key pieces um, out of Oakland, shipping a lot of those guys off. Not a lot of familiar faces. Uh, obviously, Ramon Laureano is still there, even though he just he just got back from his suspension for PEDs. Cheater. Cheater. Um, I was about to say the same thing. Uh, Frankie Montas was there. You know, some, some of those staple guys, but a lot of them, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, you know, a lot of those guys got, got shipped off in, in this offseason. Um, but it didn't matter Monday night because Framber Valdez was on fire. Oh, my God. This guy was just being Framberization. Uh, nine innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, three walks, and seven strikeouts. He took a no-hitter into the sixth inning as well. Um, this is one of his first complete games in his career. It hasn't been done, you know, of a complete game as an, from an Astro since Zach Grinky. Yeah. And, um, you know, interesting stat from uh, AT&T Sportsnet that I was watching on the, um, you know, on the broadcast. Framber's last seven road starts before that game, and that includes the playoffs, 43 innings and a third, 1.25 ERA. Wow. Opponent's slugging percentage is a .197. And then the ground ball rate is just phenomenal, seventy-one point one percent. And we've talked Holy about, smokes. yeah, we've talked about this guy being a ground ball pitcher, and just seeing the stats on the road, how he's become. And we all remember that game. Um, I believe it was the ALCS game five at Boston, and I mean he was just dominating. And we're kind of like, I know all Astro fans. I know one for me myself. I was kind of shaking. I was like, uh. You know, hopefully Framberg could get us, you know, a 3-2 lead, take it back to Houston and then finish it out. Right. It, it was, you, like we talked about before, we just don't know what Framberg we're going to get. We're going to get a good outing from him or then we're going to get a shaky with uh, walks and everything like that. But, I mean, he just proved that game on game one from Oakland that he was just being a phenomenal pitcher. Yeah, and they, they mentioned on the, on the broadcast, like Framberg's ground ball rate is – like insanely high. I want to say he's 20. He's he leads the league in, in ground balls by like 20, 25%. Um, I don't have that stat in front of me, but I mean, he, he's just so effective uh, at getting those ground balls and the defense credit to them for, for playing behind him uh, so effectively in, in turning those ground balls into outs at, at a consistent rate. Definitely something you like to see and something that was very effective uh, on Monday throwing a complete game shutout. I mean, you can't ask for a lot more. And it was definitely really nice, too, for the bullpen, giving them a night off. 
Oh, definitely. I was hoping, I was really hoping that he would go into the ninth and I was hoping Dusty was going to continue to let him uh, pitch because I mean, we haven't seen a shutout in a while. We haven't seen it since Zach Grinky, and um, for Dusty to let him go out there and be able to let him pitch nine innings. And then especially when our starting pitchers have been struggling in that Seattle series and we had to right. use majority of our bullpen pieces, gives the guys a great night off and then to work in, you know, game two and game three of this series. And um, I mean, it was, it was just phenomenal to see Framber continue his success and hopefully, you know, maybe he could get a bid for that all-star game as well. We we've always talked about, you know, Verlander and um, McCullers and everything like that. We've, I mean, we've talked about Framber as well, but being that key piece in this starting rotation is a, you know, one of them things that we need and Framber's starting to show up again. Yeah, for sure. And he got some run support Monday as well, mostly in the name of Jordan Alvarez with two monster home runs uh, in the fourth uncorked one for 469 feet. It was tied. Nice. It was brief. Yeah, nice. It was briefly tied for the longest home run of the season uh, until a ball got uh, smoked for 496 Dude, feet. That did was a- you see that? Did you you see that clip real quick, though? Did you see that real that clip? I mean, that went into the third deck of course field. That that has I think I went above sea level. I want to say because in uh, behind home plate in the third deck, they got a line of a row of purple seats, and that shows you the sea line of um, I think of the state. I don't know something like it's something with the sea line. I know that for sure, but I want to say hit over. And they they were talking about it. They hit it over that sea line into the third deck and the silver bullet um chorus you know bar that they have up there yeah but um i mean your donks they were your donks 469 feet like you said the first one and then 444 for the second one i mean this guy finally and we, we talked about we haven't seen the your dong in a while we, yeah. we didn't see it in seattle we didn't see it at home and he just you know for memorial day he just crushes two nukes out into right salute the so, troops yeah salute the troops and we'll even talk about another guy that loves to do that as well <laughs> later on the show yeah uh but yeah your don had those two big home runs altuve with uh, a two-run shot to get all five of the astros runs uh the offense outside of them was not super super uh effective he had siri let off the third i believe with the leadoff triple couldn't get him home uh, several instances, you know, with runs in scoring position not performing as well, which we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Uh, but overall, very solid performance, obviously getting the win. An interesting stat that they they had on the broadcast, on the radio broadcast with Steve Sparks and Robert Ford, which, as a side note, I love TK and I love Blummer. But, man, our radio team is so fantastic, and they don't get enough love. We give a lot of – Exactly. We we give a lot of love to TK and Blummer. Astros Twitter – and obviously, they deserve it, but – Oh, you can't forget about Julia, too. Oh, and Julia, absolutely. (laughs) But but Sparky and Robert Ford are fantastic in the booth. They have such a great – team chemistry they they do such a good job with each other and i i love listening to them call games uh, i'd say i probably listen to more games on the radio than i watch on tv generally just because you know i'm always doing stuff or whatever uh traveling like this but they're great but anyway the stat that they shared and this is from monday's game after those three home runs was that the astros have scored 120 runs in the year up until that point 
and 60 of those runs had come from the from the home run from a home run uh which led the major league in percentage at 50 percent uh by a wide margin and i think that says a lot about this astros team and i think it, it explains a lot of the um the inconsistency because you're not going to go out and have multi-home run nights from your team every night uh and and you know we've Obviously, a lot has been said about this Astros offense and their inability to score runs sometimes. But, you know, if you're going to be one of those teams that lives and dies by the long ball, the inconsistency is part of what comes with that, you know? Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you know, it's like basketball, you know, for the Rockets, for instance, they in them 2019, 2018, yeah. you know, years, they lived and died by the three. And, you know, that made them into the West Conference Finals, but didn't take them to the finals. But um, yeah, well, you saw it in that, I mean, that game seven versus the Warriors and Harden. Was we're we're, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. We, yeah. No, it's not ice cold. That that ref, <laughs> Scott Foster, just hates us. OK, so, side, you know, let's not get sidetracked about that. Um, hey, Scott I mean, Foster right now, hates everybody. Exactly. Especially Chris Paul. Yeah. But um, the Houston Nationals right now are, you know, third in the American League with team home run 64. Obviously, the New York Yankees with 69. Angel 68. You know who's the fourth team? It's going to be a shocker. All right. Hold on. What were the, tell me the top three. So, so the Yankees, the Angels, the Astros. Them are the top three in home runs. I'm going to go the Minnesota who's Twins. Your four? Nope. I'll give you one more guess. One more guess. One more guess. Just take one more. Um, let's see, it's not the Mets, they're not really a long ball team. No, 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 we're talking about American League. Oh, American League, sorry. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I uh, shoot, let's go with the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers, all right, really, in, dude. Yeah, wow. I'm shocked that makes sense. And, and then the Blue Jays are 54 behind them, but obviously, you know, the whole big picture here is you know, the long ball is going to help. And obviously, we haven't even seen the, you know, baseballs that are juiced that are going to go into the Crawford boxes and into, you know, the train tracks later on in the future whenever summertime begins. And it has begun, you know, recently. Yeah. But, you you know, we're going to see that after the All-Star break or even maybe a little bit before the All-Star break. I'm telling um, you, man, NBA Finals, once the finals are over, that's when the juice balls come out. And I won't be surprised, honestly. But, you know, the home runs are going to help a lot. Yeah, Jordan is going to be, you know, a key piece of that. Uh, Kyle Tucker as well. Jose Altuve being a freaking, you know, power hitter that he is all of a sudden. Alex Bregman yeah. needs to figure it out, but, you know. Oh, uh, I, I believe me, I have plenty coming on that in a little bit. Oh, exactly. Anyway, so, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, but yeah, that was just an interesting stat on, on Monday's game. But uh, Tuesday, weird game, just weird game. I mean, it was just – I mean, we see Christian Javier having struggles and everything, but, I mean, he did a good job going in four innings pitch for his one earned run, four walks, four strikeouts. It wasn't, you know, a big, big, you know, offensive game. He did, he held the guys down to just one run, and then the bullpen just, you know, just comes out and just dominates. And we've – I, I'm going to take into this because I said Brad Strong was one of the key pieces being gone in the Houston Astros, you know, free agency. This bullpen has proved me wrong big time, dude. Like they're incredible. Rafael Montero, Hector Neris. Um, I guess we could say Phil Maton a little. Yeah, he's, he's starting struggling. to get back. He, I don't know, but he's still, you know, he's still there. Um, what you call it? Ryan Stanick, uh, Ryan Presley um, coming back a little iffy, but, um, 
I mean, the bullpen has been doing great, dude. Brian Abreu has actually oh, Brian Abreu quietly, actually. after being pretty bad the first couple of weeks of the season, he, he's he's put together a pretty solid run here lately. Yes. And then Seth Martinez, too, nine innings. Yeah. When he comes in, nine innings pitch scoreless. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. When it comes to that trade deadline, I would love, and we've talked about before, getting a lefty. Right. Blake Taylor has struggled, you know, maybe – and him and Mayton, but I would say Taylor struggles the most the most out of the bullpen. Right. And it well, would I be think, interesting. I think, I think Taylor's highest potential is lower than Mayton's highest potential. Yeah, and I honestly think we could see a move coming in for a left-handed reliever. I think that would help us a lot too, you know, yeah. to take us into that next step into the playoffs. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a weird game. I mean, like you said, it, yeah, the. The offense again struggled. Um, Chaz McCormick was kind of the, was the MVP. Had a go ahead single, had a solo shot to deep center field. Uh, this felt for a long time. It felt like a game that was going to somehow end up tied, and the A's were going to walk us off in like 15 innings at 4 a.m. in Houston, um, just in the most like on a walk off bloop after three walk three straight walk. You know, something stupid. I was like, that's how this game is going to go. But it didn't, and the Astros were able to come out of it with a, with a 3-1 win and a series win. Yeah, I mean, Chaz, for sure, you know, three for three. And he was saying after the game, too, this is where he, um, you know, first began his MLB journey yeah. and, you know, went three for three. And I honestly thought he could have went four for four, but struck out at the end. But a big key hit. From that man again, that home run dead center and kind of getting the offense a little little bit going. You know, we had a two one yeah. lead and then all of a sudden, um, we got three uh, another run in to make it three one. So yeah. big game from Chaz and it just gets to show you that you know one through five, one through six. You know, the big names as in Altuve, Alvarez, Bregman, Brantley, um, Gurriel. You know, all those big names don't have to be the winner. I mean, we've seen that from him. We've seen yeah. Uh, that from Maldi, that one game that him and Maldi went back to back. I mean, that helped the offense get going. And I mean, it's good to see that Chaz is doing this. So, um, I mean, it's a great sign to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting that consistency from center field has been a big talking point this year. Um, and, you know, trading all, him, platooning with Siri has, you know, it has its ups and downs. And, you know, it's not really worth arguing back and forth about, in my opinion. But um, mm-hmm. I think the big conversation piece uh, of Tuesday night's game, though, was Jason Castro. Because, man, <laughs> uh, you know, I can I can stump for Maldonado, and I will. And I think he provides enough value in at, at defense. I think he is capable of coming up in, in key moments. Um, but Jason Castro, I, I just – I don't get it. I don't, I don't see – I understand why he was brought in. I don't understand at this point, at this point, I would rather send, you know, DFA him and, and let Corey Lee start coming up and getting some experience because he is for all intents and purposes useless. And I know that's a harsh thing to say, but a Tuesday night's game was a prime example. He was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts, had a bases loaded one out situation, and he grounds into a double play. I mean, you know, and, and that's just become the norm for him. Other in this stint with Houston, he has provided on on the only time I can, I can think of one. Other, okay, last week against Texas, he had a, a decent game, but that moment against the Red Sox where he broke the tie 
in you know and what was that game four uh in um, boston and you know started yeah. that hit parade that kind of saved that series i mean yeah credit where it's due but man i just don't know at this point why and i and i don't understand like i get maldi is old and sure throwing a rookie out there to catch that's got it you know negatives as well but I don't see how I don't see how Corey Lee could do worse than what Jason Castro is doing, especially if you have Corey Lee catching Christian Javier. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, like I get you know that I, I understand that Verlander is always going to want to throw to Machete, and I and I understand mm-hmm. like you know Maldonado taking the lion's share of the starts, obviously. But man, like yep. God. You know what's crazy though? With I, I found that interesting now that Maldonado and JV. I mean. Obviously, it was always JV and Chirinos in 2019 and Garrett Cole and right. Maldonado. Right. Now, Maldi's taking over JV and, you know, they he's been doing good until these last two starts. He kind of got hit around. Not not last two. Take that back. Uh, the Seattle one, I meant. Got hit around a little and, um, you know, I mean, they kind of found it. But I'm going to just read Castle's stats real quick. I mean, 48 at-bats, five hits, only five hits. Two of them been doubles. He's had one RBI, seven one. walks, and 25 strikeouts. He is barely hitting over 100. He's hitting 104 right now. What's his on-base percentage? 228. 228 and then 146 slugging percentage. But the interesting thing that I saw, uh, I was reading on MLB.com that they had um, they had an article of, like, you know, top targets for trade destinations. The biggest one that I saw was Wilson Contreras coming to the Astros and I mean we've we've talked about it you know before and even Astros Twitter have talked about it you know back then you know we're looking for a catcher to push us into that thing and you know Wilson Contreras being a great hitting catcher that he is um he's won a world series too with the Cubs in 16 it's just kind of difficult to see you know what we would do with that situation I don't I wouldn't be I would I don't see it either I wouldn't be opposed to it though you know, if you think about it, you could give up two prospects and, and another player maybe on the roster. You could give up uh, Luke Berryhill since we got Corey Lee in the um, in Triple A. You know, obviously going to be in the major soon. It, it's just it's something you know that fact. I found it like you know kind of interesting to talk about because Wilson Contreras too is having a great year with Chicago. Obviously, he's going to be traded this coming off season. I'm uh, not off season uh, at the deadline. So it'll be interesting what Click does in that, you know, position as well. We're looking at first base with Yuli to see how long we're going to go with him. You know, hopefully he finds his spark, you know, sooner than later. And then then even the catching and then the starting pitching. It's just going to be an interesting offseason. I mean, offseason, God, dog. The deadline that we're, you know, we've talked about earlier and all through these shows. But, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Jason Castro is – not the Astro anymore that we have thought. And I mean, this guy was a 2013 all-star right. whenever we were bad. I mean, we thought he was going to be the future, him and Altuve. And, you know, next thing you know, he leaves and goes to, I believe, the Anaheim Angels yeah. at first. And then from there, he bounces to the Twins. Then all of a sudden, he comes back to Houston. And, you know, last year would have been a great, you know, year for him to get a ring. And I thought, you know, I honestly think – I he'll retire this coming year. And because he's always talked about too, that he might retire soon. And it, it could be possibly this year. And I won't be surprised if he be DFA or, 
maybe in a trade package. We don't know. Yeah, it, it, it could be. I just I don't really see a Contreras. I'd have to, I don't know what his contract looks like. Um, as far as you know, what he would be looking at as far as prospects or team control, because I mean the Astros are not going to want to wait on Corey Lee for too long. You know, like they're not. Yeah, gonna, I know what they're, you mean. They're not. They're not going to keep him in Sugarland any longer than they they need to. And I mean, he, granted, he's not hitting the cover off the ball in in, in Sugarland. He's not, you know, going crazy, but he's been a solid producer, and I, I think he's going to be ready to take the next step uh, pretty soon here. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be, it'll be yeah, interesting. Michael. That'll definitely be an interesting scenario to look at as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah, right now I think he's on a one-year, uh, nine million dollar contract. Okay, I so think. then if he's a if he's a rental for one season, I could see I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you like we talked about, we still got this dynasty and everything, and we're just missing. You know, no offense to Maldi or anything like that, but him and Maldi would be a great combination, honestly, in that catching role. Um, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna be kind of if you want to win, you know, we got to make a move. Um, just like basically what the Braves did last year, they went to go yeah. get Job Peterson, they went to get Jorge Soler. Um, I mean, they made a lot of key acquisitions last year, and you, you know, we haven't seen that big splash from Click yet, so we'll just have to see when that comes. Yeah, we, we will. Uh, and then, well, that takes us into, into yesterday's game in Oakland, the series finale. Astros go into this game, obviously already having won the series, looking to finish with a clean sweep of the Oakland Athletics. And for a, a while there, it looked like something special was happening in the city by the bay. Uh, Justin Verlander, obviously last his last start Friday night, got blew up by the Mariners. Um, in, in, in an interview, I listened to an interview that, that James Click did with Sports Talk 790, uh, this more yesterday morning before the game, and he said basically like I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of a pissed off Justin Verlander, but it's not a place you want to be. Um, and so Sean Salisbury was saying he was like, yeah, I'm expecting to see something, uh, something special out, out of Verlander. I think he's going to come back with that fire in him, and he, and he sure did. Uh, Verlander, to be fair, or well, to be honest, he didn't even have his best stuff in yesterday's game. He's was efficient as he usually is, but he struggled with his command here and there. Um, I think he hit two batters. He gave up two walks, but the guy took a no hitter deep into the seventh inning, two outs in the seventh um, before Elvis Andrews uh, roped a, a double down the line. But for a second, it really felt like, like something special was about to happen in Oakland. Oh yeah. JV. Like you said, you do not want to be on that side. I mean, I could remember game two of uh, the 17 World Series when he was pitching. You know, he, he was pitching a good game. And then all I remembered that game was because the offensive was hitting. He comes out of the clubhouse and then he just yells at everybody. Basically, you know, get your shit together. You know, do y'all want to win a World Series and all that? You know, basically yeah. a veteran captain would do. And right. um you know, and, and you just do not want to be. But, yeah, I mean, took a no-hitter to the seventh. Um, you know, we all hear about, like, the not saying no-hitter on Twitter or, like, you know, keep your mouth shut about that shit. You know, Ben Verlander being one of the biggest roles on that, and I agree, do not say anything. But, I mean, once seven innings strong, you know, gave up two hits, three runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Um well, that's what that's what the most brutal part of it was, though, is that not only did he lose the no hitter, but two batters later, he lost the lead. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to, you know, just baseball is just, just crazy. You know, yeah. you could just be pitching a no hitter and then all of a sudden you give up the lead, you give up the shutout and now you're losing the game. Yeah. Just like and that. That's what basically just happened. just that game. Yeah. I mean, he gives up, like I said, he gives up that, that double to Andrews that, that scores a run on, on a batter that had previously walked. And then Bedencourt comes up a guy who has not played in the major leagues. Before this year, he hasn't played. He hasn't played MLB baseball since 2017. He's been playing in Korea and in Mexico and then the Dominican and a little a couple of stints here and there in AAA. But I mean, this guy hits his ninth career home run off of Justin Verlander in a game in which Verlander has, up until that point, um, one hit the team. Yeah, I just baseball is crazy sometimes, and it's such a cruel sport, and that's why we love it, but. Damn, you hate it sometimes. But, you know, sometimes you're the Astros in that situation. Sometimes you're the A's. So there's a give and take. Oh, quick shout out. Brian Abreu making number one on SportsCenter top 10 plays. Did you see that ground ball that, that he got hit up the middle with? Yeah, a little, hit? little comebacker. And then he hits it with his hand. It comes out of his hand, gets on the mound, and then he throws it at first still to get him out. Yeah. So uh, shout out Brian Abreu on that. But, um, yeah, I mean – the offense finally kind of got something started at the end of the game. You know, yeah. it was finally good to see uh, good quality at bats, good QABs. That was one of the biggest things that we needed to see. And, you know, sure enough, Mauricio Dubon starts it off with the single. I don't think Nico Goodrum could have done that shit. No. Um, Yuli, Yuli finally getting a hit. And that's what we like to see. And then Altuve drawing a walk. Tucker striking now at a key moment with bases loaded. That kind Which, of hurt him. But so I was, if you follow our Twitter, like I was at this game and there was this guy on the second deck, this Oakland fan who I don't know why of all people, this guy had it out for Kyle Tucker all day long. Every time Tuck came up to the plate, he was like, Kyle sucker. Oh, you suck Kyle <laughs> Tucker. And he was yelling so loud when, when oh, Tuck, when, when Tuck came up with the bases loaded. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, Kyle, like, please, please hit this one into right field just so I can scream at this dude. And then, yeah, he strikes out. <laughs> and it's crazy because even a stat had showed like most hated MLB players and Kyle Tucker was him and JB were like one of the ones on that list, like Makes literally no at the bottom. But yeah, King Tuck came out with a K. Um, Bregman, he walked right there. And this guy has the best, one of the best eyes in baseball. Great yeah. plate discipline. 3-2 count, gets a walk, and brings in um, Dubon, and then Jordan, your daddy, your daddy comes he's up. Definitely the, the athletics daddy. Definitely. I mean, he's he's everybody's daddy almost at this point. Uh, base clearing double, dude. I mean, God, we really needed that so bad, and he just comes up clutch and hits it right in the right center gap and gives us the lead for five runs, and then Diaz walks, and then Pena, I mean, Pena hit the ball pretty well. I mean, he should have had a home run that seventh or eighth inning that it hit the wall, and I'm like, shit, I thought that was going to be gone. But, um, you know, Pena lines out, and then um, I don't know what the hell Diaz was yeah, I I have no idea. I was there. It happened right in front of my face. I have no idea what he th- – I don't know what he thought was happening or what happened there. I mean, because he, he just – Ran halfway to second and then just like stopped. I, I, it was one of the stupidest base running errors I've ever, like, he just looked completely lost. 
Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the offense finally showed off, dude, and we really needed that, and hopefully that carries on to KC. I was honestly interested to see, you know, runners on second and third, and I've talked about this with you. With uh, Jimenez coming into the mound, a rookie, you know, their rookie closer, and I was like, okay, why not put Michael Brantley in that situation? You know, you get yeah. the lefty-righty, and Dusty's a big freaking guy over right, left, right, left, and who's better at hitting righties and all that shit. And Michael Brantley is still a great hitter. And that was one kind of like a head-scratcher for me. I'm like, I know Chaz had a great game last night. No, you know, no, I'm not saying nothing bad about Chaz, but, you know, you get a better opportunity with Michael Brantley at that play with the runners on second and third, I thought. Yeah, I, I, but you know, it, it paid off. I, I just wonder if Brantley didn't dress out for the day because I never saw him, um, pregame or anything. He was one of the, I saw Yuli pregame and, you know, dressed out. Uh, I never, I never saw Brantley. So maybe he just didn't dress out, which would be weird if he didn't. Um, but it ended up being the right call because, you know, Yuli got that single. Um, but it was funny when, when they brought in that other rookie, Selman. To there's one, you know, because Jimenez couldn't get an out, he got one out. Um, and, at, and then after I, I believe after he walked, uh, Bregman is when Selman came in. And his first pitch to Alvarez, he threw him an uh 80.7 mile per hour slider. And then the next pitch was an 89 mile an hour fastball right down the middle. And Jordan was just a little ahead of it. And then I said, I was like, throw him that one again. And then sure enough, that's exactly he threw him another 89 mile an hour fastball down the middle. And he's lucky that Jordan did not hit that 469 feet. And it could have been 475 or 500 <laughs> even shoot. But um, great, great to see the offense kind of wake up. That's what I really wanted yeah. to talk about. Yeah. And then uh, closing out the game, got a little hairy again. Presley not having his sharpest stuff. Um, the A's, the A's tried a tactic that I don't know if I've ever seen a team intentionally trot out there. We have talked before about the power that guys get against the Astros once they're no longer with the organization. We've seen it. We've seen Mm -hmm. it with Ramon Laureano, Teoscar Hernandez. We've seen these guys. They go elsewhere, and then they become Astros killers. Yesterday, Ramon Laureano leads the the, the ninth inning off with a single, and then the A's pinch hit – our old friend Jed Lowry with the intention of using those former Astros against us in a very intentional way. It didn't work out, but they tried. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still love Jed, Jed Lowry when he was with us in yeah. Houston, but um, you know, we got a better shortstop in the name of Carlos Correa. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Presley kind of struggled a little, a little. I he gave say. up a run. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of worrisome to see this guy. Well, we're not used to seeing Presley like this, dude. Well, we were two years ago. Well, I mean, he was a setup man at the time. Well, yeah, but still. But but he now he's our closer, and that was the thing. You know, we we're trying to figure out who's going to close the games out for Houston Astros after 2019 with Osuna gone, and who's going to be that guy? And I never thought Ryan Presley would have been the guy. I thought he was a great setup man, but I never had thought that he would be the man for the closing role. I mean – He's done good, though. I mean, he was an all-star for last year's um, all-star game, man. It's, it's just not the things you want to see right now from Press. Yeah, and, but, you know, um, hopefully he gets, he you gets know, it together. 
Yeah, definitely. But overall, you were at the Coliseum, of course. You know, obviously, if you follow us on Full Seam Ahead on Twitter, uh, our good old friend Will was out there at the Oakland Coliseum and getting in to see that old ass Coliseum Stadium, whatever you want to call it. But what are your thoughts about that place? All right, I got a hot take. Okay, go ahead. I think it gets a lot of hate that it doesn't deserve. Hmm. I was based on the way that everyone talks about that stadium. I thought that I was just going to be walking into an absolute dump. And don't get me wrong. It's old. It is. It is an old stadium. But it's kind of it, it. Reminded me a lot of, and for any of you out there who are Aggies, it reminded me of old Kyle Field. That it was, mm-hmm. you know, that concrete, Crete, yeah. you know, not a whole lot of pizzazz, but it was just sturdy and solid. And, and it was clean. I mean, obviously, when you don't have a ton of fans, that helps. But, I mean, it smelled good. You know, the concourse was nice. And the the, the food, op- there were a lot of food options. Was um, there any discount on food since there's not a lot of people there? And honestly, I didn't. I, I got a I got a hot dog from a guy walking through the through the stands. I never even went to a oh, hot dog uh, vendor. Yeah, um, but I mean, it was it was not the way that I expected it to be based on how everyone talks about it. But mm-hmm. I, I understand because, like, right across the bay, you have one of the nicest stadiums in all of baseball in Oracle Park, and even in the rest of the division, you have Minute Maid Park, which obviously we love and is very clean, very nice, very modern. You have Seattle T-Mobile Park, which is really nice, a really nice new park. So, yeah, it's old and dimensions wise, it's it's weird. Sure. But I didn't I don't think that it's deserving of the hate it got. And I got to also say A's fans were pretty nice. The few that I most of the ones that I talked to were were really nice and welcoming. Uh, I got offered a beer in the parking lot. There's a lot of people tailgating, which is cool because you don't you don't see that with Astros games just because of the way the setup is. Um, But but with the setup in Oakland, the stadium is just surrounded by parking. And that's the only parking because it's just like an industrial area around it. Uh, It's not like, you know, downtown Houston. Um, But, you know, you get there and everyone's got their barbecue pits out and just hanging out, playing, playing cornhole, you know, throwing a football, throwing a baseball. Like it was really cool. Um, And the staff was really nice. It was it was it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. And again, it, it really overcame my expectations based on how everybody taught. And I'm sure for the players, it you know, the locker rooms, weight room, whatever. But as a fan, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, an enjoyable stadium experience. Wow. And I'm shocked that you said the Oakland fans were, you know, really nice people out there. Well, I mean, with, there are a few exceptions. There were a few exceptions. There, me, and, okay. me, and, me and some dude kind of got into it at the end of the game. Um, oh, but, shit. Oh, dude, it was so nice. He was, you know, cheater, cheater scoreboard, buddy. And he was like, he's like, yeah, and you're still cheaters. And I was like, bottom feeder. Yeah. Oh, time. that was the same thing with me going to uh, the All-Star game last year. I mean, I, the first freaking jersey I wore was, of course, my orange Jose Altuve jersey. And, of course, the first fucking fan I get to see when I'm going into, like, the fan fest that they had in Denver was a Dodgers fan. And of course, he's yelling at me, cheater and cheater and everything like that. And I'm like, okay, what about Shaw? You have a fucking Mickey Mouse trophy in your, you know, 2020 COVID season. I mean, 
playing 60 games and that's the only way you can win a world series like calm the hell down yeah but um you know any historic things though you get to see in oakland you know at the coliseum you know here we have of course you know uh homer and alley over there um what else do we got we got the train you know all that stuff i mean did you see anything out there that had that yeah so where i came in i came i entered the stadium in their championship plaza which you know you obviously oh, wow. got to remember that back the Oakland Coliseum is where the Raiders played for their duration yeah. in Oakland. And then literally right next door to the Coliseum is where the Warriors played for what? 25 years, 27. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, and, and it literally, so this championship plaza was shared by all three. And so it had their, it had the hall of fame plaques for the A's, the Raiders and the Warriors. or I guess the Raiders, I didn't, yeah, not there, but you know, they had all this, you know, historic stuff there. And that was a nice little area where they had like food trucks and whatever. Um, but other than that, I did not really explore the concourse and explore the stadium like I wanted to or like mm-hmm. I usually would because I was waiting for for autographs. I got, I got a Jordan Alvarez sign ball. And I'm, I'm usually Hell not yeah. a big autograph guy, but I was like, I'm going <laughs> to make – I really wanted Jose Altuve, but he didn't come do signatures. Um, and I got creeped out by adult autograph hunter guy. You know what I mean? Like those obsessive yeah. – like, <laughs> Like there was, there was a guy who literally is from Oakland. He's a season ticket holder. And he was standing uh-huh. there and he had an Astros hat on. And I knew as soon as I walked up, I was like, that hat's been worn twice. And sure enough, he's sitting there <laughs> while we're, you know, waiting for players to come in and go. And, and he's talking to the usher and she's like, knows him by his name. And she was like, yeah. So she's like, are you staying today? Or are you going back to work? And he's like, yeah, I just took an extended lunch break. It's like this dude showed up. What the hell? Put on an Astros hat to collect Astros signatures on this like poster of Minute Maid Park. He said he had one for every park, and he just every time a new team comes to town, he gets signatures. Like whatever, dude. Let the let these <laughs> let these seven year old children around you get let the ones, them get yeah. signatures, not you. Definitely. What a loser. Definitely. The only thing I would take about the Coliseum is obviously when the A's hit a home run, I see that they have like a Holy Toledo sign kind of go up and I'm like, um, yeah, and they have one on the press box too. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, come on. You know, Holy Toledo. I don't know if it was there before, but of course, whenever I hear Holy Toledo, That's you Milo. think of the first person. Yes. You, of course you think of Milo Hamilton. So I'm like, I, when I see that thing light up, I'm like, y'all piece of shits. Milo would just be wanting to yell at y'all right now and shit like that. But, um, yeah, got the sweep over there. And yeah, Oakland. we did. It was great to see the boys, you know, have a four game winning streak, and hopefully it continues on to KC. Yep. And, and, so, and so that's where we're heading next. We got an off day today on Thursday. Uh, so this series will pick up on Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday out in Kansas City. Uh, that's a that's another ballpark that I'd like to go to that, you know, obviously it's another older park, but I, I've always wanted to get out there. Yeah, I've heard Kaufman has a great, you know, with the fountains and everything in the background. Yeah. Of course, you got the big K in the middle of, um, you know, center field. I had a buddy that worked over there, and he said it's a beautiful ballpark to see in Kansas City. So, yeah, definitely want to hit that up as well. But um, um, going yeah. into it anyway, you know, game one, we got Jose Arquiti on the mound versus Brady Singer. Singer right now is 2-0 and with a 2.49 ERA. He's been pitching pretty good. His last three starts, he hasn't given up th- uh, a run since his last start. You know, gave up three against the Minnesota Twins. But, um, you know, he's been a great-looking pitcher so far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's this cl- is probably closest one of the thing to an ace. in that series against the Royals. Yeah, closest definitely. Closest thing to an ace the Royals have. Yeah, and Zach Grinke, you know, not we're not going to see him this series. 
you know, thinking he would be the ace and, you know, being the veteran. But, I mean, this kid has been, you know, pretty much lights out his last three starts. Yeah, he has. And, you know, like you said, Grinky is supposed to go in game two opposite Luis Garcia. We do not have a named starter. The Royals have not named a starter for that game. Um, so we'll have to see. Uh, but hoping for at least in game one, uh, we need a bounce back game from Urquidy. Justin Verlander, he responded to getting blown up with a damn near no hitter. Uh, let's see what we can get out of Jose Urquidy Friday night. Yeah, same thing as Luis Garcia. He had a bounce back game too yeah. going into Seattle yeah, and shut right. stuff down. But um, man, I mean, Jose Urquidy, I don't want to sound bad here, but I mean, Jose Urquidy needs to step up or. You know, we'll we'll either see him in a trade piece or I, I doubt that, you know, that'd be the unlikely thing. But I would see him more, you know, possibility in the bullpen. Yeah. And that's definitely a complication that we'll talk to uh, that we'll get to, you know, when we start talking more detail with trade deadline as that begins to get clearer. Um, but definitely something to consider. Um, then on Sunday, we'll see Fromber back on the mound after his awesome start in Oakland. Uh, versus Jonathan Heasley, who is 0 for 2 with the 4.66 ERA. He's a rookie. He only got called up about two weeks ago. He's made four starts, but he's given up three earned runs in each of his last three games and only getting about five innings pitched in each of those starts. Shit, we need to make it more than three when we go in town. Yeah. We've got to attack this rookie big time. I and mean, we've been doing good and not that bad against rookies. The only one that's been kind of having our number is uh, – Flex and I mean we got Joe Ryan out of the game in Minnesota quick. Yeah. So um, you know, continuing to pound these rookies would be, you know, a great thing to see for the boys. Yeah, for sure. And especially if, if it lets us get to that Royals bullpen. Uh the Royals bullpen is one of the worst in baseball. Um, it's got a 4.84 ERA as a bullpen, which is good for 29th. Uh, they've given up a hundred run 101 earned runs. That's also good for 29th. And by whip walks, hits, innings, pitch, sitting at 1.49, which is the worst in all of baseball. Uh, and home wow. runs, they're at 18 with 21 home runs. Uh, so, yeah, getting to those starters and letting us get after that bullpen would, would be nice. Yeah, definitely. We need to, you know, with these, we got to take advantage. We talked about it before on the, you know, on the episodes that we got to attack and we got to take advantage of these teams, these, you know, be sub below 500 teams and just right now showing with the you know the bullpen in kansas city you know 29th in era 29th in earned runs and 30th in whip i mean man we, we just got to continue to attack it on and attack it on man oh I, I, absolutely but, and that's you know a big part of helping the the offense get back in their zone too is giving them those um opportunities against have you know teams like this in general but also a bullpen that's exploitable like that. Definitely. But, um, you know, speaking of our good old friends, that Grinky, um, you know, he landed on the IO with a right flexor strain. So, you know, we're, he was supposed to pitch, pitch that game too, but he sadly got on the IO. So the ex- Astro, we won't be able to see. He hasn't been performing well this season at all, dude. I mean, he has, no. he's 0 for 4 with a 5.42 ERA and, I won't be surprised if he retires next year. I won't yeah, be I surprised mean, if he hangs up the cleats. He's 38, 39. Um, he's definitely up there, and he's at that point in his career. And, I mean, he was never – I mean, he, he was a good pitcher. I mean, he a freaking Cy Young winner. Uh, but he was never really, I would say, a truly 
dominant pitcher outside of a couple seasons. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree as well. And that's what I was going to say, too. You know, if he would have, you know, if we would have won that World Series in 19, you think that would have solidified, like, solidified him to be in Cooperstown, the National Hall of Fame? No, I don't, I, I don't you think, think it would even been enough for that. No, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he'll get some votes, but I don't see him. I don't see him ever topping like 50, 50, 55% of the Hall of Fame vote. I, I don't oh, see man, him. I was, was going to barely give him like 30%. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. Like top, like he might get that his last year or on the ballot, you know? Yeah. Um, Because like, he won a Cy Young, but again, yeah, I, I don't think he's a Cooperstown guy. Yeah, I definitely agree. I just want to hear your take on that. Yeah, he's had a great career. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, oh, he's definitely. Not, like, like y'all, like we said he's. It's had like really one or two seasons off the top of my head that you know he was the best pitcher in baseball, or one of the, yeah, I mean, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Exactly, and it's like it's kind of hard. It's kind of biased and hard to get into the Hall of Fame as well. Oh, you know, for sure. and I was and looking, I was like I said, I had watched that Mets uh, documentary that ESPN had did. And I was shocked Keith Hernandez to even make it to the Hall of Fame. And he is a 11 time gold glove winner, like three times silver slugger, you know, World Series champion. And I'm like, what? He didn't even get in the Hall of Fame. He didn't, you know, he just never made it. And I was like, wow. So it just kind of shows like, you know, you can have all these great stats and great career numbers and shit like that. But, you know, it's going to be the baseball media and writers, you know, trying to put you in there and shit like that. Oh, but, ab- um, absolutely huge but, huge factor there yeah so um the key bats really into this series would be um andrew benatendi i mean he's been hitting pretty well hunter dozier as well we get to see the mlb's pipeline number one prospect of 2022 yeah. we get to see bobby witt jr and you know i have him on fantasy and you know he hasn't been performing like i would want him to which is a, i'm not opposed to that because of course, you know, when you play for money, your players to do good. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's starting to hit the ball pretty well, though. Yeah, he he's he's coming on as the season progresses. Yeah, but I mean, of course, he's not Jerry freaking Pena. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is a team that does not have a ton of power. Their offense is, you know, it's hard obviously for the Astros <laughs> to say anything about anybody else's offense. Um, but it's not a strong offense. They're they have two guys leading their team with home runs at six, and Bobby Wood Jr. <laughs> and Salvador Perez, which, which is interesting. I mean, Salvi hit what forty three bombs something. last forty. Yeah, but yeah. he he was on the IO earlier in the year. I want to say. Oh, he That's did. Why You're he right. hasn't. He did yeah, have an so, stint. But right now, I mean, Bobby's hit um hasn't gotten a hit in his last four starts he's 0 for 18 right now oh so well let's let's keep it going yeah let, i mean yeah let's keep it going yeah pretty much <laughs> all right well that's the upcoming series versus the royals um let's go with a bit of an astros roundup not a whole lot going on in the camp uh we do have some some guys in sugarland that are hitting the ball well jj marievic is on a 16 game hitting streak uh, in the month wow. of May, he's hitting 333 with four home runs and 14 RBIs. He has been a doubles machine down there. Um, and then right behind him, Corey Jolks sitting sitting on a 14-game hitting streak. He's hitting 340, or he hit 341 in the month of May with 10 home runs and 17 RBIs. Wow. I mean, and he's hitting the ball well, really well. Wow. I mean, and plus our outfield, I mean, the, the depth in 
you know, yeah. on our roster of, you know, we could say MLB, you know, the Astros and AAA, you got Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brandley, Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick, Jose Siri, uh, Jake Myers that we're going to be seeing pretty soon, I'm pretty sure, you know, in the upcoming weeks. And now you got this guy, dude. I mean. Yeah. And Pedro Leon. Oh, Pedro Leon, too, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting. I'm just, man, I'm just waiting for that trade deadline, dude. I'm, I'm telling you because it kind of that's when you get to see the real action start. You get to see these teams kind of like, okay, which teams are gonna make it into that finish line and into that playoff race? Which we talked about. We do not want to be, you know, three or four seed. We want to be that top two right. seed to have that buy and not play a freaking three game series. But um, I mean, you know, you got to give credit, Corey Jokes. Corey Jokes has been, you know practicing with this when you ever you know even entering training camp you know at spring training he's been he's been just trying to get his swing going and trying to you know take notes and try to you know pick up on the veterans and everything like that and wow right now in the month of may hitting 341 10 home runs 17 rbis i mean it's it's phenomenal to see this kid grow absolutely and that center field depth is critical and it's going to be much talked about at the trade deadline and a big part of that that you mentioned is Mr. Jake Myers. Uh, we finally got some news on Myers. He's, we haven't seen him this season. He's still dealing with that labrum tear uh, that he suffered in Chicago last year. But over the weekend, he played center field in, 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 extended, in an extended spring training game down in Florida. And per Brian McTaggart this morning, or yesterday morning, excuse me, uh, he's got his rehab assignment Thursday, tonight in Sugarland. Uh Jake Myers is joining the team for a rehab assignment. And then Taylor Jones is also joining uh, the I almost called mosquitoes, the space Cowboys <laughs> on joining the space Cowboys on Friday for the beginning of his rehab assignment. Meaning that at the very least by June 22nd, we're going to either see those guys back on the roster or we'll see them optioned to triple a. So I'm very curious as to what, especially with Jake Myers, because I mean, he's not going to be stuck down in triple a, um, assuming his rehab assignment is going well. Uh, very curious as to what's about to go down with our center field right now. Oh, definitely. And it's kind of like to see who's going to go down to triple A. Is it going to be Chaz? Is it going to be Jose Siri? Is Myers going to, you know, stay at triple A too? It's kind of like you're just juggling to see which players are going to do better and what players aren't. And right now, you know, Dusty's been doing, you know, with the lefty, he'll go with Siri. And then with the righty, he'll go with um, Chaz McCormick. It's, it's just interesting to see, right. you know, when Jake Myers comes into that place, you know, June 22nd, obviously deadlines a month from that time. What players are going to be hot? What players are going to be cold? You know, it's going to, it's going to factor in when it comes to that time. Yeah, it, it is. It's going to be interesting to see that that is. I don't. I do not envy them having to make that decision. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of, by the way, speaking of AAA, you know who's hitting three ten for the Sugarland Space Cowboys right now? Mm, Pedro Leon. How about Nico Goodrum? Wow, AAA <laughs> legend right there. He's 13 for 42 with two home runs and two doubles, three, or three doubles, excuse me, and 16 walks. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. I mean, we, we talked about Robel Garcia being the all-star MVP over there in the Iowa Cubs, and now yeah. freaking Nico Goodrum is 
hitting his ass off over there in AAA. And it's just kind of them things that, you know, some of these players have the talent, but, you know, it just shows to, you know, it shows you how hard it is to get to the MLB stage. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows that that kind of drop off, if you will. Yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, other injury news, too. You know, Jake Odorizzi completed a 41 pitch bullpen session last week per Brian Mattager. Uh, Rotowire has his estimated return, you know, at June 15. Um, you know, obviously, we don't want to see click kind of, you know, rushing things and we've we've seen that with lance mccullers he ain't rushing anything with you know lmj or anything like that but i mean it's it's a positive step to see jake you know progressing into the right direction and you know like we've all talked about before we were kind of like down when we saw jake down on the grass and everything like that but great to see that you know signs are positive at this point yeah, and I, I I trust them to make the right call between Click and Dusty and Jeremiah Randall, who's the head trainer for the Astros. They're not they're not going to rush him. You know, they're going to take their time. Um, there's there is no rush. You know, it's not like we're dying for starting pitching right now. Uh, they're going to make the right call when the, when the time is right. But I I don't think mid June. I mean, if he's throwing forty one pitch bullpen session, that that's a good indicator that in two weeks it he'll be ready to go. Or, pretty close yeah yeah I, like i said i don't think they're gonna rush anything and like you said too with click and dusty and um you know jeremiah randall they ain't gonna rush anything to this guy i mean our luckily our starting pitching hasn't been bad you know we've had some shakeups here and there but um you know we've talked about it too when these when these guys return i think our starting rotation is gonna look scary yeah i i definitely agree um anyway so a question that I wanted to pose to you is we have spent the last what third uh, 40 something games or 50 something mm-hmm. games now uh, saying, Oh, the bats will wake up. The bats will wake up. At what point do we just accept that this team is what it is? And that is a wildly inconsistent offensive team. I honestly think there's just time to just say that now. I mean, we're, we have been spoiled and we have been shown to see this Astros dynasty, you know, be offensively just producting every game. And we got to see that with George Springer. We got to see that with Carlos Correa, Um, you know, Marvin Gonzalez when he was hitting really good in that 2018 season. I mean, we're, we're just so spoiled with that. And now it's kind of like, we only got Bregman and Altuve from that, you know, fourth core. I mean, now we got Jordan Alvarez. Now we got Kyle Tucker into the mix. I mean, it's just, you know, it's space to say now it's it's just time to just say, you know, the bats are going to be hot whenever they're hot and then they're going to be cold whenever they're cold. You know, it's just that time to realize that the Astros are still a great offense, offensive team, no matter what. But we're going to have these rough, you know, cold stretches and hot stretches. And perfect example is Yuli Gurriel. Right now he's cold and he's been cold, you know, starting out the season. Uh, Michael Brantley as well. He was hot, dude. And then all of a sudden, you know, Uncle Mike hasn't been hitting that the ball that we're like used to seeing from 2019 and 2020, even 2021. Right now he's batting 267. This guy has been struggling at the play, and he's all usually a 290 to 300 hitter batting average. Right. 
wise. And, you know, it's just face to say that, you know, we're going to see these boys get hot. We're going to see these boys get cold. It's just time to face it now, man. Yeah. And, and I, I think that definitely, you know, we just kind of got to accept it. It, it. it is what it is. But I do think that there is an element of wait and see because I feel like so the main stat I want to use here is if you and if you know the stat Babip, you you generally either love it or hate it. So <laughs> Babbitt just Babbitt just kind of measures basically luck and kind of different factors going into your hits and your ability to hit as, hit as a team. And the mm-hmm. Astros currently have the lowest BABIP in the league at 257. And wow. league, league average for BABIP generally sits, supposed to sit at 300. So meaning that the Astros are hitting 33, 43 points lower than average or quote-unquote what they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's bad luck, you know, uh, whether that's just playing good defenses, whatever, because there's a lot of different variables that go into that. Mm-hmm. But to me, that indicates that we're just not at the potential of what this team is capable of. And I think a lot of the struggles of this team, and we've preached this, is our situational hitting with runners in scoring position. And I yeah. really think, to me, I think there's a couple things that are holding this offense back. And that is one, obviously we have some dead weight on this offense. We did mm-hmm. Maldonado. I mean, he comes through every now and then, but again, he, I mean, what we know what Maldi is right now, Yeah. but with, with Yuli also not hitting well. And with, you know, guys that you need at the top of the lineup, like Bregman, you, when yeah. you have those things happening and also I just, I don't, I, I don't think that we're using the most proactive batting order that we can be because to mm-hmm. me, one of the biggest things for this Astros team is that if you combine runners in scoring position and runners on, the Astros are hitting 225, which is fifth worst in Major League Baseball. A 225 average, again, that is that is our batting average with runners in scoring position and runners yeah. on base. That puts us – the only teams worse than the Astros are the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Detroit Tigers, the Orioles. And you know who's slightly ahead of Houston in this? The Kansas City Royals, the Chicago White Sox, the Oakland A's. I mean, there are teams that we don't consider ourselves to be in the same realm as, but that's who we hit like when we have runners on base. And I feel like if you pick up, a, if you start getting some more key production, whether that is through trading you know, we've talked, is it time to have that really discussion with Yuli? Is it time to have that discussion? We talked about Castro earlier. I, I don't think that top to bottom, this lineup is to blame for this offense. I think you just have a couple of key holes that keep getting in the position where they're not producing in run scoring situations. And I think that's what's holding this team back from really being the best that it can be because obviously you can't expect all your guys to hit 333 with – you know, exactly slugging, slugging over 600 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you have guys that are just laying eggs in those important situations, you're never going to get the job done. So I, maybe that's a mentality thing. Maybe that's a, you know, it, maybe you do start switching up the batting order. With, you know, Dusty's very old school about how he manages his batting order. And I don't think we're probably going to see anything like that. Um, like today, it was interesting. Like, like, yeah. Why do you put Kyle Tucker in the two hole? Exactly, and that's what I was going to bring up I, right I, now. 
I just I'm stuff like that. I mean, I mean, granted, yeah, Tuck didn't have a great game. He didn't have a, a bad offensive game. I mean, put in and, and it's gonna sound it's gonna make it sound hypocritical because he did have that opportunity that bases loaded opportunity. But mm-hmm. when you put a guy in the two hole, you're naturally not going to put him in as many bases loaded, you know, run, RBI situations as you would in, in having him at the five or six hole. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, to tack on with that, I mean, our offense hasn't been, you know, that we're used to seeing. I mean, we're used to seeing 260 and above. I remember seeing that last year when we were hitting and even the years past, um, you know, just quick, you know, I'm just going to go quick through the lineup, you know, average wise, you know, Altuve 279. We're expected to see that Kyle Tucker 239, 221 Alex Bregman. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, 272. Yuli Gurriel, 223. Uh, obviously, I said Michael Brantley at 267. Maldonado, expectingly, of course, 133. Uh, Jeremy Pena, 285. I mean, it's just but, I mean, there, to... there you go. Out of out of your regular starters, they're all exactly. performing where you'd want them to be, except Bregman, McCormick, who is not going to be a long-term I, – I, I love Chaz, but he's not going to be the long-term guy in central field. And yeah, Tucker, which I don't, something, there's more, something's up with Tucker that I, I, I think something, something has been up with Tucker in the past couple of weeks, but I'm not sure. Um, anyway. Well, it's crazy Tucker. because, you know, that first series, I mean, he was just terrorizing the ball. I mean, he was seeing the ball him and Bregman were seeing the ball outstanding, dude. I mean, these guys were crushing the ball, you know, out of the ballpark, especially Bregman. He, you know, the first week he got AL player of the week. All of a sudden, he has been, you know, ice cold, cold turkey, 221, dude. I mean, this is not the Bregs that we're used to seeing. This is not 2019 Bregman that we got to see, you know, through them years. But, you know, another thing, too, you know, even though I don't I don't want to talk about the past, but, you know, we got to address that, too, because, you know, we, we got often used to seeing George Springer in that leadoff row. You know, he started something either, you know, a leadoff bomb or a what you call it, or a bait, you know, a base hit, something key. Same thing as Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa was one of the clutches hitters, especially yeah. when it came to postseason time. This guy was one of the clutches hitters in postseason history. He has to be one of the clutches ones. You know, you can name top five too as well. But this guy always in the clutch, always had a solution. Him and Springer going, you know, if Springer and Correa had a home run in a game, it was a guaranteed win for the Astros. And we got to see that a lot, you know, through the postseason and everything like that. And um, it's just it's just hard to see, you know, and I like I like what you said, too, that we haven't seen the Astros full potential yet to see these guys offensively crush the ball. But it's kind of that time that we have talked about, too. When are we going to see it? Yeah, it's kind of it's going to be that question always you we're, know, coming, coming back. And, you know, reading them teams off too. what you're saying, the Tigers, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Royals. Um, you do not want to be in the category with those guys. You are one of the best, you know, MLB dynasties. You know, we we, we are. But obviously we cannot win a freaking World Series, only just one. But. You know, getting back to the World Series and getting back to the ALCS, you know, for the last five years and then going to the World Series three of the five years, it's kind of hard to, you know, hear us be with them teams. Yeah. 
but we'll see after after the conclusion of this road trip it'll officially be the one third mark through the season um so you know getting getting time to really see who this team is yeah definitely but um speaking of around the league we're going to talk yes. about around the league real quick um this is going to be a week edition obviously because like we said we're you know a little busy throughout the time did you hear about the slap around the world uh, of course how could you have not heard about it <laughs> Jock Peterson, San Francisco Giant outfielder, him and Tommy Pham were in the outfield pregame, you know, BS and around. And then all of a sudden, Tommy Pham just goes up there like Will Smith and Chris Rock, you know, at the Oscars. <laughs> Will like it's just like Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. That's what happened with Tommy Pham doing the same thing to Jock Peterson. And this has to be the most dumbest freaking thing. It's not even about baseball. It is yeah. over fantasy football. I mean, fantasy yeah. football has been out since, I would think, December, I would say, because usually when it's January, it gets to that. No, maybe January. Maybe January. But, you know, we're talking about January, and we're here already in June. Well, it happened in May, but you get the big picture. It right. happened so long ago, and you slapped the guy over a rule that you know you can't have this guy injured reserve and you're claiming another guy on the spot and all this crap and everything. Come on, Tommy boy, what are we doing here? What you're acting like a little immature well, kid. And he has always been an immature kid because he was one of the guys that talked shit about the Astros being, you know, arrogant and you know they're cheating and all this bullshit. Man. Well the best part was that that he was mad at Jock for initially for you know stashing guys on the on the on the injured reserve but then that in their group text that jock peterson sent a meme making fun of the padres and that's what really sent tommy fam over the edge <coughs> because it was disrespectful he's like you don't know me like that like we're not close whatever um like you don't you don't get to joke like that just stupid all around but exactly. the best part of it the, the best part of it was it coming out that the commissioner of their fantasy football league is Mike Trout. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> like that was that was a twist I did not see coming. It's funny because he even got it like the media kind of like went to him and he said, "Well, you know, this happened. You're the commissioner. What you know? What kind of happened? What? Why did you let this happen?" He's like, "Well, you're gonna get booze, you know, as a commissioner. I mean, you could get it from Roger Goodell. You could get it from freaking Rob Manfred." Um. Adam Silver really doesn't because Adam Silver is a great commissioner, honestly. He is a good commissioner. But, um, you know, it, it just happens. And, you know, for acting stupid that Tommy Pham is, and he receives a three-game suspension over a little slap to the face to Jock Peterson. So, Tommy Boy, I mean, you really deserve that. Yeah, that was just dumb. But entertaining enough, I suppose. Yeah, but big news, too. And I don't think – I don't even think Vegas would have had the odds on this. Pirates sweeping the Los Angeles Dodgers in L.A. Yes. In Los Angeles, the city of angels. And, I mean, they they haven't been, you know, the – I mean, they're still the, the, the Dodgers. They're still good. But, yeah, sure. But, I mean, they haven't been getting offensive production as much, you know, from their big players. Apparently, you know, the all-star team on their roster, Cody Bellinger, uh, Freddie Freeman – Max Muncy, I mean, Max Muncy was just terrorizing the ball last year and all of a sudden, you know, caught cold turkey. But um, the only two hitters that have been, 
you know, doing really well for them have been Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts has been having a hell of a May, and I won't be surprised if he gets, you know, player of the month in the National League for May. And, um, you know, Trey Turner, I mean, them only guys right there have been doing well for the Dodgers. Uh, emphasizing Mookie Betts a lot because I have him on fantasy, even though <laughs> he's a cheater as well. But, yeah. you know, money money happens, money talks, and, you know, I need Mookie to perform. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Trey Turner has been having a hell of a season, too. Yeah. And he's on a crazy hit streak, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, 24 games, Jeez. I think, right now. So, uh, shoot, dude, he's been terrorizing the ball, both of them two players. Yeah, and, yeah but the, the Dodgers getting swept by the Padres is – was obviously surprising, um, but it was one of many kind of interesting standings changes we had over the last week. Uh, Yankees five and five over their last ten. Now I told you it was just coming. That injury bug was just coming, and sure enough, it came. Yep, Chapman and who else? Uh, Laz- I don't even know the guy, but they call him Lasagna. Um, freaking uh, Chad Green torn a. Uh, yeah, he's gonna have a uh, Tommy John torn UCL. John uh, Carlos stand right ankle, you know, discomfort or something. But like that was that. negative so, for they. They said his MRIs were negative for a more serious stru- structural. Yeah, game. yeah. But I won't be surprised if he gets another, you know, IL stand because he's this guy cannot stay healthy either. No, no, he but, cannot. Um, uh, but across across the Flushing Bay there. Uh, the New York Mets are long on sound, I guess. Uh, the New York Mets are hot. <laughs> They're on a six game win streak, eight and 10 over the last eight and two over the last 10, excuse me, uh, cementing their lead on, on the NL East and doing it with, you know, all those injuries piling up for the Mets. Uh, and then the NL Central, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are hot. Mm-hmm. They're seven and three over their last 10. They're only two games back from the Brewers. I mean, that, I told you that team's going to be him, them, and the and the Brew Crew are going to be fighting for that first, uh, you know, in the division. And then speaking of the Mets, you know, the second team behind them, how many games back there, you know, behind the Mets, and that's I'm gonna, Atlanta. I'm going to guess eight and a half. Close ten and a half. Woo. Ten and a half. Atlanta is second best in the division with twenty four and twenty seven, dude. So, Mets got that division, I think, secure. Unless something, you know, drastically yeah. happens to them. Yeah. And speaking of drastically happening, the Angels, man, they are sliding three and seven over their last 10 on a six game losing streak right now. Things you love to see right there. Yeah. Things you love to see. Well, and that's not even, we haven't even gotten to the Mike Trout injury portion of the season yet. Hey, let, let's not go there because I, it's funny because I have Trout, I got Mookie Betts. And um, who was the other player I was saying for fantasy? I don't know. I got them too, though. I got two MVPs on my team, so I don't need my job to get hurt. Um, yeah, because that, that but, lead, um, but yeah, things is... you love to see though. Astros lead extended to five, five and, and a half. half in the AL West. The Rangers are only two and a half back from the Angels, and the Rangers are only two and a half back from that third wild card spot in the AL. Oh, wow. Do you see them as buyers or sell? Not well, not really sellers, but do you see them as buyers at the trade deadline? Who the Rangers? Yeah, I think they could be. I I don't know. I mean, you got to think that their finances after the offseason they had. I don't know how much cash they've got to commit, but I could definitely see them going after. A well, rental. they got. Well, they got like a top ten um, 
I think farm system. Yeah, I want to say they that do. was ringed by MLB and everything right. like that. They got. I don't think Jack Leiter is going to be gone anywhere. He's going to be staying in Texas. Oh yeah, I mean he Jack Leiter is ridiculous. He's. I would not. <laughs> To see him come up this season, I don't think is the most insane thing in the world. I think a they're so desperate for starting pitching, but I mean he is yeah. phenomenal in AAA Frisco At, right now. And it's crazy how they're just almost you know sub five hundred. They're twenty four and twenty five right now, and their pitching has been dog shit. Yeah, and their top two players, and Corey Seager and uh, Marcus Simeon. I mean, they haven't been producing like I think the Rangers would want them to. Imagine if them two were, you know, producing at the rate that they want them to, you know, right. especially Marcus Simeon coming on a hell of a year from Toronto. It's just kind of – it's crazy to see. And I'm, I'm like I said, I, don't, I won't be surprised, too, if they call him up this year. But I, more realistically, I think they'll call him up next year, I would Probably, say. Probably, but, I mean, if they're in a position where they're in contention late season, I I could see it. Yeah, yeah, but other news with that, especially, you know, since we're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, these Bluebirds are on a, you know, terrorizing tear on the ball with a seven-game winning streak, A and two of their last 10 games, but then Brock's Bombers are still ahead of them with the five-game lead. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be interesting that we've we've obviously talked about the AOE. It's going to be a fight. And that wild card, too, especially, you know, with teams like the White Sox, Texas and Anaheim, um, Toronto, Tampa Bay, even I can even see Boston, too, fighting for a spot. They've cooled off a little bit. Boston's cooled off a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, you won't be surprised, though, if you see them kind of like coming up sooner than later. I I, I think they'll still come up. They're going to fight for that wild card spot. And I won't be surprised if they get in as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely a possibility. Uh, on the West Coast, Robinson Cano released by the San Diego Padres again. Yeah, that just happened yesterday too. Um, hasn't been having the great year, I guess the Padres were hoping for really from this guy. I mean, the last eleven games he's batted point nine four point zero nine four. I mean, Jason Castro is hitting better than this, than this guy. Um, is it time for him to hang up the cleats? Yeah, I, I don't know what else you got. I don't know where else you go at this point if you're Robinson Cano. Oh, you could go to the Pirates yeah. <laughs> or the Baltimore Orioles. Well, no, Baltimore has ruined Odor. No door has been surprisingly doing good for them. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do. I probably, I'm, I, I would say we probably see him hang it up. Yeah, I won't be surprised. I mean, that whole PED situation when he was with the Mets last year, I think that kind of screwed him up. And, yeah. You know, now they got Eduardo Escobar over there. And they got some good pieces over there in uh, Queens. But, you know, since they played the Cardinals that day, and we're talking about hot St. Louis Cardinals, even though us Astros fans don't like them, uh, Paul Goldschmidt is on a freaking tear. The native Texan yeah, is, is on a 23-game hitting streak him and trade i mean there there are two hitting streaks going on right now and i don't think we've ever seen this i, I don't think mlb has ever seen this i mean two hitting streaks 21 being trey turner on a 24 game hitting streak and then paul goldschmidt on a 23 game hitting streak i mean that's that's phenomenal to see you know as a baseball fan perspective oh, absolutely 
And, you know, we don't get to see these hitting streaks, you know, stay this long. And hopefully, you know, maybe they can make a little bit of history. But I doubt. And what? who has that hitting streak? Is it Mantle or DiMaggio that has, like, the 50-something game hitting streak? Uh, I can't think of it at the top of my head. Let, I believe let me... it's DiMaggio. I think so too. I, I, I want to be some, yeah, I, it is. I, yeah, it is Joe DiMaggio with the 56 game hitting streak. So, you know, maybe they could beat it. I highly doubt it. Cause that's one of the most hardest things to kind of do. Um, you know, other big things, you know, Jose Ramirez being the first player this season to get 50 RBIs. That's kind of a crazy, not yeah. a crazy stat, but I mean, 50 RBIs already. Wow. I mean, we saw him when he came to Houston, terrorize the ball and everything like that. It's still shocking to me that this guy didn't go to a playoff contender team. But, hey, he loves Cleveland like LeBron. Apparently, well, LeBron doesn't love Cleveland that much. Oh, well, he said, Cleveland, this is for you. So, after he did that, I mean, he left. Yeah. Jose Ramirez, (laughs) on the other hand, hell no, he stayed. Yeah. (laughs) But um, the biggest story on Memorial Day. The man, the myth, the legend, Nicholas Castellanos doing Nicholas Castellano things. Yeah, we've always <laughs> yeah, heard the deep, the deep line drive to left, and you know, oh, all this stuff. And sure enough, we got it again on Memorial Day. On something, you know, you know, we honor the troops, we honor, you know, those that have sacrificed and you know that do great for our country. Next thing you know, um, we wouldn't, <laughs> he just does his thing. Uh, the announcers were talking about Memorial Day yeah. and everything like that. And Citizens Bank Park, I want to say, had something, you know, to honor about, you know, the ones that had sacrificed their lives and everything like that. And the announcers were, you know, praising about it. And then next thing you know, Castellanos' first pitch of that inning, deep ball drive to left, home run, Castellanos. I mean, yeah, well, this- they – I, I'd seen it because, you know, MLB on Twitter does that thing. They do, it, I think, every day or some days where they do like a uh, like a montage of all the home runs of the day. And it's just real quick, just like off the bat. And you just catch you catch like the half second before the swing. Right. Mm-hmm. And they'll have like all you know 40 home runs hit on any individual day. And as I'm watching that and listening to it, you just hear the ultimate sacrifice. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that had to be Castellanos. And sure enough, I, like, rewound it. I, you know, slid back, and, and there was there. Little, and then I went and watched the full clip of the announcers, like, memorializing the soldiers who had made the ultimate sacrifice. And there, like, a, a clock striking 12 is Castellanos with a deep drive to left. It's and it's awesome. like, you can't make these things up no. either with him. It's so freaking funny. It's just like, it's, like, so perfect at the right time when this guy does it. Oh, it's beautiful. But anyway, that is around the league. It was a busy week for the Astros, a busy week for baseball. Um, Bit of a weird road trip so far, but looking for the Astros to finish it strong in Kansas City. Yeah, definitely. Right now, four and two on the road. And hopefully, you know, maybe another series sweep or maybe another series win. But we'd like to get the sweep over there in KC. Absolutely. And again, after this week, after this weekend, after this trip to Kansas City, we will officially be one third of the way through the MLB season. So uh, 
yeah, we're really going to see who this team is as we get into the summer. I'm pretty – it's going to be an Astro summer. It's going to be an Astro summer. We're going to hit the shit out of the ball. Our pitching is going to stay strong. It's going to be a good summer for the Astros. I totally agree. And we've talked about shot. before. Yeah, I, you are calling the shot. And I'm going to call that shot too with the juice balls coming in and the dead balls leaving and going to triple A. Hopefully they bring it. them triple A balls to – yeah. Hopefully they bring the triple A balls to the MLB. And, you know, next thing you know, we're hearing more deep drive to left. You know, home runs and shit like yeah. that. And I, I'm I, I'm going to keep harping on it. I've been saying it since the conference semifinals, that when the NBA finals are over, that is when we are going to see the juice balls unleashed in Major League Baseball. I could be wrong, but I'm sticking with that prediction, and we are with the finals getting underway tonight, uh, Warriors versus Celtics. Uh, which, who you got? Who you got, Warriors or Celtics? Man, I got the Cs. I know uh, I still do not like the Warriors, even though the Warriors are a great team, dude. They are God, they got Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond, of course, you know, the best shooter in NBA, Steph Curry. But I mean, I, I, I still believe in Jason Tatum, dude. Jason Tatum has knocked out the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat. All he has to do is knock out Golden State now. The tall task. And, the Rocket, and it's crazy because the 95 Rockets have done that. Yeah. So I, I won't be surprised if, you know, I, I say Celtics in seven. What do you got? I got Warriors in six. Warriors in six. I could see that too. Yeah. But I'm going to go Warriors my, my, in six. My, my heart's on Jason Tatum. That boy <laughs> is a bad mofo, dude. He is a great player. Yeah. Well, well, we shall see. We'll get back with you guys at the conclusion of this Houston Astros road trip. Thank you guys for listening in, following along. We'll see you all in a few days. See you guys.